Good evening, and once again, welcome to Phantom Talk. Um, today we are doing another entrance in our entrance. Wow, entry into our Comic Fest podcast of the month, and we are doing our top ten combo characters. Um, just to give a quick recap, since the last time that you all were with us, uh, Josh's top ten so far from ten to five was Captain America at 10, Black Panther at 9, Spider-Man at 8, Black Widow at 7, Storm at 6, and Wolverine at 5. So we've got his top four coming up soon. Um, Jenny's <clears throat> was Wolverine at 10, Bucky at 9, still don't understand, uh, Scarlet Witch at 8, Loki at 7, Raven at 6, and Black Panther at 5. And Al's was Constantine at 10, Spike Spiegel at 9, Scarlet Witch at 8, Punisher at 7, Daredevil at 6, and Wonder Woman at 5. And so far, my list has been Magneto at 10, Black Widow at 9, Spider-Man at 8, Nightcrawler at 7, Batman at 6, and Nightwing at 5. So that's been our list so far, and today we're going to be getting into our top four. And this is going to be the last one of this subject for now for this month and then we'll be doing a couple other things coming up soon um but first and foremost before we get into it i want to uh, go ahead and start introducing everybody um yes josh did you have something to say i do actually like, but but i go on and introduce yeah. okay okay all right well since uh, he had his hand raised uh, we're gonna go ahead and start with him we have hey guys, uh, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh josh with us better known as the Y sage uh josh you doing okay do you, doing do you need to say good. something I, I just thought it'd be interesting. Uh, uh, it's awkward now because you still got to do two introductions. That's but true. I, but I thought it'd be interesting if we maybe asked each other or thought, what's the biggest surprise from each list? Because mm. all three, I think all these lists, or at least in my opinion, your three lists have all had uh, very big surprises to me. And I thought that'd be kind of you okay. know, fun to do. Well, let's do that right, little, after we, right after we finish up the. Classic, you know? well, yeah, right after we finish up the rest of the introduction. Yeah, is, is that, is yeah, that okay? I, I think it yeah? would have been a good time for me to say that after the introduction. <laughs> okay, good. But that's okay. <laughs> we also have with us uh, Jenny, better known as Raven. Jenny, you doing okay today? Yeah, I'm good. Sweet. Uh, then, of course, through the wonderful magic of the internet, we have with us uh, good old Al. That's Red Lanyard. Al, you doing okay tonight, man? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, re I'm ready to talk some, some comic book characters. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, so, uh, Al, of our three lists, what has been your biggest What has been your biggest surprise so far of the three of us? Mmm. 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 That's a tasty question, Jacob. Isn't it? Isn't it, though? <laughs> that's a, yes, that's a, that's a scrumptious inquiry you've presented to me. Prepared by Josh, you know, but uh, but plated by me. Mm, indeed, indeed. <laughs> and the presentation is is quite magnificent, I gotta say. We're really stretching for out. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, that's a good question. I think I think I'm gonna have to go with um, Jenny's list. Uh, not really anybody that's surprised me that it was on it, but just. Um, um surprising that um the winter soldier was so low on the list i was expecting to hear about him tonight but here we are i i, I agree uh jenny who do you have any particular surprises that have happened so far not really honestly not no really. 
All of ours have been pretty. I mean, like other than like like you having some characters that are low, in my opinion. Mm. Um, you know, but I'm not surprised. So who who was the <laughs> so okay? Who, let's go with who was the most offensive then I for Jake you? I had the most like noble list so far. Oh, Spider Man. Spider Man eight. Yeah, oh, that's too, yeah. Low. too low. Too yeah. low. Too low. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. uh, not, not, that's that's, well, that's pretty rough. That's Spider Man. Yeah. So yeah. so apparently he hates both of us. Yeah. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. Wow. That's like it's mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You just wrong. go like from zero to hundred so fast. Always. That's that's me. But if you knew my heart, you'd know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is get weird. <laughs> Josh, what what is your uh? Biggest regret asking this question. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Who would you say is the biggest surprise so far? Uh, Loki at seven. Yeah. Loki at seven. That's probably the biggest one. And then Constantine at ten with Al Manning uh, is probably the the other one. Uh, because those two I know mean a lot to you as uh, characters. It's true. This was a tough assignment. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and I would, I would agree with that. Um, both of those, but also, uh, uh, I thought I think Black Panther and Nine is pretty low for you. That one's kind of well, a like surprise. I, oh, I forgot about that. Well, like I said, yeah. I mean, with him, there it's that one will probably go up. But mm-hmm. you know, based on my um, my criteria, mm-hmm. it's just hard to put him much higher than that. I understand. I understand that. I got you. All right. Well, the main event, guys. Getting to it. Getting to our top four. Um, Al, we're gonna go ahead and start with you. We're gonna stick with the same the same format as to what we did last time. Um, we're gonna be finishing that tonight, guys. So, Al, who is number four on your list? Number four is uh, I will admit I kind of cheated with this one, and uh, this isn't um, the last time um, tonight. I'm gonna cheat in this way, but um, a number four for me is Green Lantern. Um, you did cheat. <laughs> You're number 3,600 people. Or excuse me, 7,200 7, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so that kind of prompts a question oh, usually. Thinking all of them? All, just all of them? No, no. It's not all of them. Well, in a way, it's all of them. I can think at least, of one, at least one of them you need to leave off. <laughs> number one. Number four. Salak. That's not <laughs> number four. Tamar Ray. <laughs> Still not the one I'm thinking of. You're up. Okay, here's real quick. Al, I'm so sorry to cut you off. Here's a bigger question: Who do you hate more, Kyle Rayner or Guy Gardner? Rayner. You hate Rayner more than yeah. Guy Gardner. Yeah. Man, that's that's big. That is big. It's a big, but, it's a big statement. I'm sorry. We're, we're 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 cutting in front of Al. Al, right, please Al. please continue. Uh, so so how how are you? Uh, so please go. Please explain. Please go on. Oh no no no! It's okay. I'm sorry for talking while you interrupting. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Green Lantern. Um, but yeah, um, Green Lantern is one of those characters that when um, I think about Green Lantern, it's gotten hard for me over the years um, to really say for certain if there's you know one particular character I'm thinking about when I. Th- think about Green Lantern. Um, at this point, it's almost um, impossible to really say who the definitive Green Lantern is, um, in my opinion. 
uh, which is why it was really hard when I was writing up this list because I was thinking about the various characters and I was thinking, you know, um, I love um, John Stewart. He's kind of the Green Lantern who um, I grew up with a lot through um, the various cartoons and things like that. You know, Hal Jordan is probably the Green Lantern that a majority of people think about. So it's hard to it's hard to leave him off the list. Um, you know, you've got um, you got Rainer, who's who's Josh's favorite character in the DC universe. So it'd be hard be hard for me to leave him off the list. He's also the most important character in the DC universe. I'm sorry. He's also the most important character in the DC universe. It's true. It's true. All all things go through through Kyle Rayner. That's true. He's like. He's like the Cleveland Cavaliers in the East, you know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, and even Guy, even Guy Gardner, I think there's something to say for him when um, you ask comic book fans, hey, who's who's your least favorite character um, in DC? Uh, when it's so uniformly um, answered with Guy Gardner, I think that even says something um, about the significance of him. Um, and on um, the general kind of zeitgeist and lore as well. But, um, but the real reason why um, I've always been so drawn um, to Green Lantern um, is that Green Lantern is one of the first comic books um, I ever read. Uh, my introduction to comics was when I was really young and my dad um, introduced me to just a few spare comics he had held on to um, since he was a kid. And there was um, some Green Lantern in there. There was some Daredevil in there. There was um, a couple spare issues of Batman and Superman in there um, and uh, some Spider-Man, um, of course. But uh, by far, he had the most, uh, the largest amount of Green Lantern. And um, and I just remember that that character was one of the first things that I really felt like I had in common with my dad. Um, um, he is my dad's favorite character, um, overall. Um, and, um, so that was really a big deal whenever, um, I was getting into comics at first that, um, really had a lot of, um, significance uh, for me with that character. Um, and also I've said this before and I'll, I'll say it until we get, um, a live action film. Um, um, the, the decision to leave off a green lantern, from the recent um, efforts to to create a cinematic universe for DC, I think it was just one of the most stupid decisions they could have made. Um, just to leave off someone with such a rich lore, with such a unique and interesting power set, um, a character who's so easily distinguishable and recognizable and beloved. But um, yeah, and again, it's hard to really separate uh, the Green Lanterns, honestly. Even the more recent ones, um, I've really um, enjoyed, like um, Jessica Cruz and Simon Boz, even though DC themselves don't really know what they want to do uh, with Simon Boz, which is a yeah. shame. But um, but yeah, that's my that's my pick for number four is is Green Lantern in general. So Al, Al, with just to put you on the spot, do you have a favorite Green Lantern? If I had to choose one that I want to read the most about, I want to see in, in movies and things like that, um, it's probably John Stewart. I mean, yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's a 
good choice. And, uh, you know, there's, that's not, that's not one that, uh, uh, I, 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 do, do you think real, but I, I don't want to get into that too much, but do you think maybe it's because of like Justice League Unlimited and stuff? Because I think it is for me, because like, I mean, that's the John Stewart. That's if I'm like, thinking of John Stewart, I think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would say like, that's a huge influence. Yeah. I mean, I watched that. Um, I watched the hell out of that growing up. Um, yeah. So, so whenever I, I thought of Green Lantern, I thought of him. Also, um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think uh, the majority of the issues that my dad had that he gave to me when I was a kid, I think a majority of them um, focused on John um, anyway, mm. over Howler or Guy or any of those guys. So, so yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, Green Lantern overall, like he, probably the, probably the third hardest cut for me uh, after, after uh, Iron Man and Bucky was, was any of the Green Lanterns um, because I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I love that lore, every, everything about them. They're really interesting because you have, there's not really a decade where they are not interesting, which is kind of what you can't really say for just about every other character. Um, cause there's a lot of characters that, you know, they kind of faded away in the eighties, faded away in the nineties or so on and so forth. And I know that Josh would say that they definitely faded away in the mid nineties when Kyle Rayner shows up. But the thing is that that's still an interesting storyline, rather than love him or hate him. Um, and, uh, particularly when he shows up in the nine inch nails shirt, isn't that right, Josh? That's literally how he shows up. <laughs> he just starts off, starts off that way. Just no, starts off this. Kyle Rayner edgy in the mid nineties, give him a nine inch nails shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do definitely agree with uh, both of you about John Stewart, especially in Justice League Unlimited, particularly because in Justice League I like him, but in Justice League Unlimited is when he comes is when he shows up and he's got he's got the shaved head, he's got he's got the goatee, and I'm like, dude, he looks awesome. And then years later, apparently I just I loved that so much I wanted to emulate he myself. Just went, he just went for I just it, went man. I just went for it, you know. Um, but yeah, Green Lantern is a fantastic choice, and I'm I'm personally not even going to give you any crap for just saying Green Lantern and not choosing one because I'm with you. I love them all. So, all right, Jenny, that moves on to you. Yeah. Who is your number four? My number four is Jessica Jones. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 For get, sure. Get some more street level um, love. What? Some more street level love for the street level characters. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um. Yeah, so, like, uh, obviously, like, I got into her initially because of the Netflix series, um, which is amazing. But um, her comic runs are just as good. Um, I have a giant graphic novel with all of them, and uh, I haven't finished it, but what I have read is really awesome. Um, and it's also just cool to, like, read that versus the... Because Chris, Kristen Reardon does a really good job of embodying that character correctly mm. and... Um, just everything about the character is just amazing and how she represents um, the struggles that women go through in a very unique way. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, she's number four. Would you, so would you put her on par with like Johansson as Black Widow or Olsen as, as Wanda? I would, or, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I, would, I would too. Yeah. yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jessica's, yeah, Jessica's just great. And, and I think we, did you did you start watching it first, or did we start no, watching it? It was collective, mm -hmm. I thought. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I remember... no, because yeah, I lost because the first episode is just like kind of literally it's gut a, punches you. Yeah. 
And so, like, yeah, I remember not talking about that. I had sent, I had sent Jenny. I was like, you would really like this Jessica. Okay, I, I'm just gonna be straight up. Let's just be honest. I guess Jones starts off and she's just straight up drinking bourbon. And so I was like, <laughs> oh, Jenny would like that. I was like, Jenny like, like yeah. would really like that. <laughs> and so, like, and like, I'd done that. I sent. I remember I sent that message in the middle of the episode. The elevator scene. Yeah, and then like I got to the end of the episode and I was like, Jenny, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're gonna want to be in. <laughs> yeah, it's really dark, the and the comics are dark too. But I'm trying to remember, I think. I think I watched the first episode, and I think that was the only one. I think that I think that was the only one that was like, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna give it a few days. Oh, you know, I like, had let's, to too. I you had know. to too because that's just yeah. man, what mm. an opener! Yeah. Like my yeah. God, yeah. Um, it's worth it. It's very very good. Yeah. If, if anyone has good. not watched the the series, yeah, all three of those yeah. seasons are pretty fantastic. Yeah. You know, uh, in particular because I, I like how what they do and everything's a mystery. So it doesn't seem like there's as much filler as there is in like, in particular, like Punisher season two. And I'm, I'm, I like Punisher, but like Punisher yeah, there's a lot, a lot of filler. Of filler. Yeah. Obviously, Iron Fist is a lot of filler. I thought Luke Cage season two had a lot of filler, but uh, doesn't seem to be as much in Jessica Jones. It moves pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's very nicely done. All right, Josh, your number, so, your number four. My number four. Mm. So when Okay, so the vast majority of villains, okay, the way they work, they work off of what we would kind of consider in, in the Western world like a satanic archetype, whereas like Satan, if you don't know, the literally means accuser. What that means is like the villain will always do something to prompt a response. Obviously, you've got, you know, Joker, and it's like he's poisoned the water supply, you know, or you've got, you know... Bullseye kills Electra, or you know, well, just whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. what makes Magneto such an intriguing villain? And one of the things that makes him work so well is that all of his everything he does is in response to something that has happened to him or his people. That's literally how the character works, particularly since when Claremont picks him up. Uh, the the character is someone that is reacting to things that have happened to him or to his people. And so it creates a really interesting uh, concept because anytime you're reading Magneto, if you're reading it correctly, you have to at least state, like, Magneto's got a point. You know, he has a point about what he's saying here because in the Marvel Universe, there's no group of people that is treated worse than the mutants. You know, they're a representation of all of, you know, uh, the oppressed peoples in the real world. That's what they're attempting to do with the mutants. And with Magneto, I've I've always thought the Martin Luther King, Malcolm X thing was a little trite. Because with Magneto, Magneto's entire point is that if you would just leave us alone, none of this would be necessary. My first, my my first experience with Magneto is X Men One, mm. and that entire that entire run, X Men One through three, the only reason that happens is because Magneto at this point is literally living on an asteroid, <laughs> and someone in the U.S. government is like, "Let's fire a missile at it," and that starts everything that happens, you know. And so for me, Magneto is my number four. I've always considered him, you know, one of the most interesting characters, not just in comics, but, you know, in any medium 
um, simply because of how he inverts how we view villains. Because you can get angry at his villainous acts. You can, you totally can. But when Magneto's written correctly, and there are a couple times when he's not, Grant Morrison comes to mind, Mark Millar. But when he is written correctly, Magneto is always a guy who is responding to something that has happened to him or his people. And that, in a lot of ways, puts us in an awkward position because that's typically who we always root for, you know, is when something is happening to somebody we like. So, yeah, Magneto's my number four. That, I mean, obviously a fantastic choice. Um, is there a particular moment that sticks out to you that you just love about Magneto? Um, so, you know, one of my favorites actually is N'Galo Mankills, which is an extremely oppressive and dark book. But, like, there's this moment, like, he's, he's working with the X-Men, and then mm. the X-Men, they get to the end, and the X-Men decide not to kill Stryker. And me, Magneto is, is and, and me are like, <laughs> well, what was the point of all this? Just to show up and be like, you know, because if you, if you read Gallo's Man Kills, what's hilarious about that book is it's really hard to kind of, with a lot of writers, you can figure out, like, what their opinions on things are, and Claremont's really hard to do that with. Because at the end of Godless Man Kills, Nightcrawler gives this really, you know, really impressive, and Kitty Pryde gives this really impressive speech about, you know, the importance of all of us coming together. But Magneto also gives a really good speech of, if we just kill this guy, you know, and it's a very, you know, very... Striking speak, and you don't know what to do with it at the end of it. It happens. Yeah, exactly. It does happen. Yeah, you know, and like, and Magneto is kind of like, we can make less ish happen (laughs) if we kill this guy. There would be less ish in the world because there would be one less piece of ish in the world. And and Magneto makes a really good point there because. You know, and, and th- that's why he's always been such an important character, because every single, I mean, I grew up with the character. So, like, little seven-year-old Josh, you know, is, like, trying to rationalize, you know, Xavier's position and Magneto's position. Because Xavier's position is basically turning the other cheek, and Magneto's position is, like, we've run out of cheeks to turn. And you really have to wrestle with that. And Gallo's Man Kills is probably the one that does that the best. Um I mean, there's a lot of other great. Uh, they're, they're, the Colin book and Magneto run. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, at this point, there's going to be a joke uh, if this ever goes viral because Josh is just like, you need to read this run of comics. But the Colin Bun Magneto run is amazing. If, if you don't know anything about the concept, it's basically Magneto goes out to essentially right wrongs that have happened uh, because he feels guilty about uh, Professor Xavier dying. And so he shakes his head and basically becomes a freedom fighter. And it's fantastic examination of character. Uh, and everything about that is cool as you think it is. With so with probably the most gruesome, you get one of my favorite openings to a book It ever. has the most gruesome opening death I've ever seen. <laughs> nice. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So there's that. There, there is, there is that. There is know. that. But it's but good. It's, I mean, it's if you still know, very if good. If you know Colin Bunn, Colin Bunn's a good writer. <clears throat> Oh goodness! Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's. I'm I'm so glad I'm so glad God Loves Man Kills got brought up some sometime throughout this because that is one of my favorite books, 
And and you're right. Ma- Magneto basically d- does the John Mulaney that you want me to kill that guy for you because I will totally kill that guy for yeah, you. That's like what it that's is, yeah. that's basically what it does. But the more end than that, it's, it's just he's he's upset because he's like I completely misunderstood what we were going to do in this mission. <laughs> this mission literally started with two kids hanging from a swing set, and I thought that we were just going to go kill the guys and did this, mm-hmm. you know, and then when we get to the end and we're not going to kill the guys that did this. So it, it really is a, it's a really good book and the way it's written is really, really good. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> so my number four. Okay. My number four is interesting because it's a character that I, I, I will readily admit I did not really get into until probably about, Five years ago, I, I would say, um, just uh, just because he, well, Doctor Zara mentioned that he never really got his own solo series for a long period of time. We didn't really, he didn't receive the uh, as much recognition as he really deserves. Um, but in Jonathan Hickman's Avengers run, there is one character that is that is one hundred percent a standout that the entire time. There's one character that honestly. I never really disagree with him. And with John Higgins' run on Avengers, it's interesting because you disagree with a lot of the Avengers and a lot of the things that they are uh, that, that they are trying to do in that series. Um, but my number four is going to be Black Panther. Um, he's just he's just a character that I've really just come to absolutely love. Um, uh, particularly Ta-Nehisi Coates' run, which Doctor's already, talk, already talked a little bit about. Um but everything about Black Panther stands out, you know. Rather, rather it's the his his first appearance in the in the films. He's you know he's just he's very striking whenever you first see him. Even as T'Challa, he's stri- I, I, one of my favorite interactions in any of the films is just when they're at the the Accords meeting and just you you close in on the shot of Chadwick Boseman and he just turns and it's just this it's it's almost. Because Bozeman plays played him so well, and because they they shoot it so well, he's a character that the moment he's on screen, he demands that attention. Like he just more so than I would say just about any any of the MCU actors, I would say, and 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 that's talking about actors that one hundred percent absolutely demand the attention. Um, but Bozeman just had something just so different. I mean, he he was T'Challa. You know, and and of course, obviously, the lo- losing him was probably one of one of the it it might be the second it, it's it's either the second or type of first for the most I have felt for for a celebrity death, um, you know, just because it just felt so like he was just taken so quick so soon from us, and learning that that he was struggling with so many things all through the years that honestly, that he was becoming the actor we knew him to be. Um, and then everything that he, that he did for the people outside of the, outside of the film itself, whether it was the different interviews where he was talking about, you know, meeting with the different make a wish kids and things like that is just, everything takes a really a different light now because, because he's gone. And, and even, I mean, Hell, it's, it's it's honestly even difficult reading some of the Black Panther comics now, just because there's a part of you that just think that just thinks about that. Because 
at this point and for, and really for our history of, of the MC, of the Marvel universe, whether it's the films or otherwise, um, T'Challa and Chadwick are basically one and the same to me. Um, and it's a, it's going to be it's going to be rough to watch Black Panther two. What, whatever they choose to do, whatever happens, uh, whoever takes on the mantle. For the record, I love Shuri. I think I think Shuri would be a fantastic choice if she takes up the mantle following uh, her brother. But all the same, it's still going to be it's still going to be rough to to watch it without him. Um, but yeah, but Black Panther just everything that he everything that he stands for as being a king, being the the first major African American uh, superhero. Um, every, everything about it is just perfect. He 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 is what what we all almost always will need. Um, so yeah, so that's why he's he's about my number four. That's a good pick. Yeah. All right, Al, you're number three. All right, my number three. <clears throat> so. Uh, my number three, um, again, I've been working on this list for a couple months, um, at least, if not more, probably more, if I'm being honest. Um, and when I landed on this character, I knew I wanted to include him. I wasn't sure where exactly. Um, I knew he'd be towards the top, but there's... Something kind of weird with comic books, um, you know, despite how much I'm going to love comic books, obviously. Um, there's something kind of weird with the characters sometimes where, you know, there will be reboots, there will be, you know, changes in character popularity, there will be solo runs picked up and dropped, um, new kinds of team ups that highlight some characters and not others. Um, where sometimes it can feel like characters are are kind of being reset and are kind of inconsistent um, and are just kind of in a weird place. And it can be hard to really form attachments to some characters because of how rocky of a journey they have. Um, but if I had to choose one character who who I wouldn't say has been consistent, but a character who I have felt has ridden with me through life and kind of grown with me through life and kind of I've been able to see this character grow and change and have have kind of a, a steady increase in significance and popularity um it would be my number three which is um cyborg um so cyborg I first encountered Cyborg um, as a kid uh, when I was watching um, the Teen Titans cartoon, which I'm sure a lot of us can empathize and identify with. Um, and, you know, on one hand, uh, with that depiction of him, he was kind of, you know, a, a fun, really zany kind of character. And so if you get up to all kinds of um, antics and shenanigans with the rest of the team, um, and at the same time, there were plenty of moments um, in Teen Titans where things with Cyborg got very um, serious. And a lot of times in that show, when things would kind of slow down and take a chance to deal with heavier issues or more important themes, 
a lot of the times those themes would revolve around um, cyborg in the show. Um, You know, um, I think back to some of those episodes of Teen Titans were the first time that I, as a kid, heard a line from something that stuck with me for a while. Um, I think of the episode that um, dealt with racism um, from the alien who was um, abusing and integrating um, Starfire. And she had kind of a heart-to-heart with Cyborg about it. Um, I think of um, the Hive Academy um, episode where Cyborg goes undercover. um, And at the end of that arc, um, Jinx kind of looks at him and says, you know, um, you could have been uh, with us. You could have been great. Um, And Cyborg just kind of looks off to the side and says, well, I could have been a lot of things. And just like young Al and adult Al now just hear that line and just kind of get like chills a little bit because, because you could see and understand, um, you know, the realness um, of that and how significant of the portion of his character that kind of revealed. And then being able to watch him as a kid on Teen Titans and see this character grow and develop um, to the point where, you know, the new 52 reboot happens and he's a, f- a f- founder of um, the Justice League. Um, he's there at the very uh, beginning. Um, you know, the, uh, the Forever Evil event happens and he has a very significant arc and a very significant um, conflict. Uh, throughout that story um, you know you see him pop up again in, in the Justice League film um, he gets uh, one of the first uh, live action spots of any of the Teen Titans characters in, in, uh, in on the Doom Patrol I mean he's a character who's only grown in popularity um, and it's just really rare to kind of see a character who you feel like you can relate to and who you feel like you can kind of grow up alongside in a way. Um, and Cyborg is one of those very um, rare cases. Um, also on the last podcast I talked about, uh, um, I talked about um, Daredevil as well and how important of a thing um, it is to have representation for um, the disabled um, in comics. And while Cyborg is this indestructible um, uh, cybernetic hero, um, a lot of his story has to do with trauma and with having to learn how to live with a new body and new challenges in a world who sees him in a different way um, and how that can, can really resonate in important ways with people who have various types of um, of disabilities as well so he's just a character who who checks a lot of boxes for me and i've i've been able to have a pretty steady kind of relationship with um over the years so he's my number three Very nice. yeah i mean i will admit it was a surprise but fantastic choice uh i just remember it forever evil is it is a grid that's the opposite of him mm-hmm. i feel like 
because mom mom our mom read that and i remember when he comes out because like they're asking like well where's grid and he just pops up for us like grid had a bad day yeah it's exactly like the coolest yeah. thing ever. It's, just, it's so cool it's like such a cool moment yeah they yeah Cy- cyborgs he's, he's one of the best men um all right uh al i'm, I'm a level with you just be, before we get to jenny's i have no idea who your top two are i have absolutely no idea I'm pretty sure there. I know one. I feel like I know who his top Wait, two are. Wait, never mind. Yeah, are you no, serious? no. I, I think Have I think I know who his top two. Are you yeah, serious? yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Hey, this is Al Manning. Yeah, yeah. Um. It, it took me a second. I, I, I started like taking the ball. Like I was like, wait, isn't he missing? And then I was like, yeah, no. Okay, never mind. You're right. All right, moving on though. Uh, okay, well, Jenny, I can definitely say I have no idea who your top three are. Well, that's dumb. Um, I I I'm pretty sure I know one because I'm pretty sure it's three. the. I'm pretty sure it's the one that all four of us have, will have on. Um, but who, who you got? Who's, who's your next one? Number three is Spider Man. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Like Spider Man's just one of those characters um, that has, has been around all my life. Um, I don't really remember not knowing who Spider Man is. That's fair. Um, let's see. What to say? Like uh, the cartoon that we watched growing up, like. Uh, comic books, like he's probably one of the first, like even before like you got in the comics. I think me and Josh had Spider-Man comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I mean the movies, obviously. Um, Andrew Garfield was my favorite Spider-Man. I was I was gonna uh, ask, but Tom Holland like is he's he's cool. I like he's, him. he's cool. Yeah. yeah, he's a yeah he's he'll, okay dude. He'll do. <laughs> he'll do. <laughs> um, That'll do I mean, Tom. Yeah, That'll no, do. Like what a great character. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man. I don't even know what to say about him. Like, he's just perfect. Yeah, it, it, it's almost one of those, you just say Spider-Man, this, everyone's like, yeah, no, no, we yeah, get it. No, yeah, no, like, literally, there's just, I mean, there's so much, but, like, I don't even know where to start with him. Mm. I probably should have thought about that before the podcast. That's okay. There's just, he's just good, man. He's just good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 funny, because I, as I was talking about with, when Al brought out the Green, the Green Lantern, uh about the different characters, how they've all always been there throughout each decade and they've been solid throughout each decade. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is one of those that even if you're, even if you're just like, nah, man, the clone saga was terrible or John Michael Straczynski was awful. One more day was awful. The thing is, is like, yeah, those things happen and don't get me wrong. They were rough to get through. I will readily admit that, but there were always like so many different Spider-Man comics at a time that you almost always had something good to read somewhere even if it was just like the Marvel adventures, like the, the kind of side story stuff. And it's just, Spider-Man's been one of the most consistent heroes of the last, well, pretty much ever, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like his personality is usually portrayed the exact same way by all the writers, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, even in the video games, like I remember yeah. like watching Josh play Spider-Man on uh, PlayStation One, mm-hmm. I guess. He called Shocker and the Pillow. I was about to say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, I know. I knew exactly. Pincushion, I thought. Well, he, he wait, he has several. Right? Oh, okay. He goes, "Who are you, the Pincushion?" Oh, wait, let me try, Mister Triple Ply. Yes. Like, wait, I know. We quoted that for you. No, no, that's what he goes. No, I know. The cushion. The cushion. Yes, That's what yes. it was. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, we had to pause because you were laughing so much. Yeah. It was so great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just have a lot of memories with Spider Man, honestly. Like yeah. Absolutely. Homeboy. Homeboy. Yeah. I yeah. think I think my personal favorite Spider Man is six year old Jake jumping off the couch while hero by Chad Kroger is playing in the back. Yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite. That, that that's, a lot. that's a really good portrayal of Spider Man. That's my favorite Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just so great. And then playing it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. 
And just like he for for months, he wouldn't walk without his hands without doing his the Spider Man thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes I still do, you know, just like, I'll just be at work and just doing that. And then everyone's just like, what are you doing? Here we you know? are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Sp- Spider-Man's obviously a great choice. Yeah. Um, oh, Spider-Man's on. Uh, well, yeah. Um, Josh, you're number three. What are we thinking? So my number three, um, I guess, would be, you know, to bring the crowd down. <laughs> It'd be a good time to start talking about trauma and comic books. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So it was interesting. I was going back and I was reading uh, what I wrote on when Chad Bozeman passed away. And one of the things I mentioned was, you know, when I had a rough time uh, in school or whatever, I, I had a, I have a, you have a bed now, but at one point I had a bed mm-hmm. where you could get under it because there was like a, a area under it. You mm-hmm. could pull it out and get under it. And I remember I would pull that bed out and there was like a hollow area under it and I would take my G.I. Joes in there and plug up them and let's like escape into that world. And my favorite G.I. Joe is mm-hmm. Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. And Snake Eyes is always my favorite because, you know, as you, I don't know, It I guess, I know this is a millennial thing to say or whatever. I don't, I really don't know how, what this is to say. But at 35, one of the things that I have figured out is that there were there there were several traumas in my life, and one of the ways that I was able to cope with that trauma or the traumas I went through were through Snake Eyes, and I had every Snake Eyes figure, and he was always my favorite. And the reason I think he was my favorite, now I can say this is because Snake Eyes is a character built on trauma. He's literally called Snake Eyes because it's it, the, it's a joke, because it's not only is he bad luck for the enemies, but he's had more bad luck happen to him than anyone else. If you know the character, the early G.I. Joe comics are basically based around this idea that certain specialists that were in Vietnam have now been drafted into a Special Forces unit. And Snake Eyes is one of them. He goes to Vietnam. He serves his tours. The war ends. And the first time any character lays eyes on him is when General Hawk has to go and tell him at the airport that he's been waiting at all day that no one's coming to pick him up because his entire family has been killed in a car crash. That's the first. That's his backstory. And, you know, then he goes on a mission. And he's going to go, you know, one of his... uh, uh, they're in a helicopter it's getting shot down. Everyone else leaves. Scarlet gets trapped under some uh, uh, a, a fuselage, and this fuselage breaks, and fire goes straight to his face, and his entire face is deformed. I mean, this is the character, and he's a character that, because of all these things that have happened to him, and which is, by the way, one of the reasons that I'm so annoyed by the first two G.I. Joe movies, is that he's a character who cannot talk because his voice has been ripped from him due to the trauma he's gone through. It has nothing to do with a vow of silence. This is the stupidest thing ever. Uh, but his, his voice has been ripped from him. And that's, it, it's a defining aspect of the character, you know, is that all of the emotions that he could have, they're kind of trapped inside of him. And what that leads to, of course, is a very great arc for him because 
you know, it's all about him learning to trust people. So he trusts Scarlet, he trusts Stalker and things like that. Um, and I just, the character's just so great uh, because of that. Uh, he, he's a character that's defined by trauma, and yet his entire arc is about finding the ways to overcome that trauma. And, uh, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, he also is just the, the, in a lot of ways, the perfect embodiment and the perfect criticism of the U.S. military because all these things have happened to him because of the U.S. military, and yet at the same time, he can't do anything other than be in the U.S. military. It's literally the only thing he knows how to do uh, to the point where, you know, one of, when we were collecting the Image comics, you know, when, Sna when Storm Shadow attacks the base trying to kill General Hawk and Snake Eyes randomly shows up, you know, General Hawk has said, we need to figure out why Snake Eyes was here because I intentionally told him to go home because that man is very scarred, you know, and he needs to learn, you know, to be something other than this. And, you know, and that's part of his journey as well. You know, it's like, you know, what am I if I'm not, you know, this soldier or this killing machine? So there's a lot going on with that character uh, that's more than just action figures. Although I will say this. I have a lot of snake eyes action figures. <laughs> so, you know, there's that as well. Um, but yeah, that's my number three. Yeah. That, obviously a fantastic choice. Uh, and the only G.I. Joe appearance on our, on our tens. Uh, uh, like that's... Destro was a, was a tough cut. Tough cut. Yeah. yeah Destro was a tough cut, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, for Kretzel, you have said before multiple times that Larry Hama's G.I. Joe is the most underrated comic, correct? It's definitely the most underrated comic. It's mm -hmm. it's 151 issues mm -hmm. written by 151, right? It's uh, 51, 55, something like that. Okay. It was over 150 issues written by one guy. That's very hard to pull off. And it, it tells a cohesive story from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and characters grow and evolve. And he's also, by the way, <laughs> the other thing that's really difficult for him is that Hasbro would be like, hey, We've got these new characters that you need to incorporate into the comics. That was happening literally every single year from 1982 to 1994. That no other comic does that. You know, mm -hmm. like, I mean, you know, you don't, when you're picking up your Batman comic, Marvel isn't going, or, whoa, whoa, <laughs> when you're whoa. picking up your Batman comic, DC isn't going, you know, <laughs> hey, we're going to introduce new characters every single year and you've got to shoehorn them in. Not just new characters, like 20 new characters every single year mm -hmm. on both sides of the fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't happen. And write their backstories for and them. And write their backstories and write mm -hmm. the backstories that you were going to put on the on the cards mm -hmm. of the action figures, you know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the most impressive. It's, it, it's, it's the most underrated run and maybe the most impressive uh, comic book run ever, you know, because of just everything that has to work in it. You know. So, Cullen Bones, Magneto, and Larry Hamas. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what we've that's, talked that's about so far. At. Trust me, there'll be two more. <laughs> okay, I'm, I, yeah. I figured. I figured. Um, all right. Um, my number three. Moving on. Um, Snake Eyes is a fantastic choice, by the way. Um, but my number three. So, my top three have basically been the same. I mean, I don't remember not... Uh, I don't remember not having these number three, the, these top three, somewhere in my top ten, pretty much my entire life. Um, but number three is kind of hard for me to talk about. I'm going to level with you on that. And the same way that was kind of hard for Al to talk about, because uh, number three is Wonder Woman. And, um, yeah. Um, Wonder Woman was our mother's uh, favorite character. Um, 
And that was one thing that we, in the last few years of her life, that we really, really got close on was talking about comic books. Um, and to talk about my favorite Wonder Woman run and to talk about my mother a little bit, uh, I have to talk about Brian Azzarello, who I actually had the honor of meeting at, at uh, Comic-Con. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to read Azzarello's run, um, it's fantastic. It's 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 just great. It mixes. It's it's how do you mix Wonder Woman and Greek mythology just in a perfect cohesive narrative? And you, and then Brian Azzarello is like, here I wrote thirty five issues on how to do it, and uh, you just, and yeah, and uh, Goran Suzuka and Cliff Keong are two of the better artists um, out there. I kind of am upset that they haven't done more. Um, Cliff Keong, I've seen do like a few covers. Um, not like actual like full interior artwork or anything, but uh, here recently. But they're both fantastic. Um, she and everything about that run just looks perfect. Um, but um, but no, that's just Wonder Woman is everything that you would want in a hero. Um, one of the one of the best aspects of who Diana is is the fact that she doesn't have the she doesn't have Uncle Ben's death. She doesn't have the um she doesn't have bruce wayne's parents lying in the alley um you know she just she literally makes the choice to go and be a hero that's that's what she does um she realizes that there is a problem within the world and she says i have the abilities to go and help them and i'm going to help them that goes all the way back to 1941 with her introduction, let alone with the films, with Grant Morrison's Earth One run, everything about it starts with just that, that aspect that Diana just wants to help people. Um, and that's what uh, most heroes do, is they, uh, they just want to help people. You don't always need a reason or a catalyst for why you choose to do the things that you do. Not that, not saying that there's anything wrong with Spider-Man or Batman's Ordens or anyone else who begins out tragedy. In fact, that's that's a fantastic motivation as well. But I've always I've always paid attention to the characters that that start off that way. That just I have the abilities to do something different. I want to do something different. I'm going to do something different. That's who Wonder Woman is, and that's uh, that's why she's at my number three. Um, moving on. Um, Al, you're number two. Who, who have we got at number two, brother? All right. Um, my number two um, is um, a character who obviously I love. Um, I love this character. Um, pretty much anything this character has ever been a part of or been featured in, I've gone out of my way to read it. Um which is going to be a, a much more impressive um, statement after you all hear who it is, considering some of his more recent runs over the last <laughs> seven or so years. It's fine. Um, but um, but um, my number two um, is Jason Todd. Um, so Jason Todd, for those who don't know, um, is the... Um, when... P- p- People think of the Robins um, to Batman. Uh, um, Jason Todd traditionally is the s- second Robin. Um, 
to come under uh, Bruce Wayne's wing um, and become Robin. Um, he's known for other things as well, as most comic book fans will tell you. Um, there's, of course, you know, um, on the story um, about him in the 80s, um, um, death in the family, um, where, funny little trivia fact about that, um, the fans voted, they called in whether or not they wanted Jason Todd to live or die after his confrontation with the Joker. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's a more quintessential kind of fan experience in fandoms. Um, obviously not all the time, but if I had to to rank significant times when fandoms kind of showed their true face, I would say that it's probably... It's probably in the aftermath of Death in the Family, where fans, or in the creation, I guess, of Death in the Family, uh, where fans voted to kill uh, this teenager in a Batman comic. <laughs> They're just like, ah, no, nah, this character ain't for me. Let's get him out of here. Let's go. Let's give, let's give Bruce some more trauma. Uh, that's always fun. But, um, and so he died. Um, and then in comics... Um, uh, starting in late 2004, uh, we got the beginning of uh, one of my favorite comics of, of all time um, called Batman Under the Red Hood, where I was revealed that uh, Jason Todd is back and um, is is uh, gallivanting around, if you will, um, as a new vigilante called the Red Hood. Um, and um, he's, he's taking out criminals and being a lot more violent. Um, fatal um, than Batman and it becomes a really interesting story and the foundation of a really interesting ongoing dynamic um, between Bruce Wayne and Jason Todd um, trying to trying to figure out um, how they exist with each other um, how they kind of both toe the line of of justice and um, um, and how much is too much and if there's ever uh, a point of, uh, of no return things like that all of these classic kind of ethical issues you think about with characters um, a lot of them are summed up and uh, very much played out uh, by stories with Jason Todd um, but um, the reason why Jason Todd is so um, beloved for me um, I'm not going to act, act as if this is a really hipster opinion there are a lot of people out there who love Jason Todd um, but, um, a lot more than there were back during death in the family. That's for sure. But, um, <laughs> but, um, um, I always found it really interesting and really f f fascinating that, um, Jason Todd in a lot of ways can be thought of as one of the biggest failures um, of, um, of Bruce Wayne's life. A lot of people would say that he is on uh, the biggest failure on the Bruce Wayne's Bruce Wayne's life. Um, however, as a big fan of the character and as someone who can see where that opinion is coming from, that opinion never really 100% sat right with me. Um, because you have a character in Jason Todd who 
is very much driven by, um, as Josh was talking about, he's a character very much driven by his trauma um, of being um, being tortured and killed by um, a psychopath um, by coming back only to find that um, his killer had not been dealt with in the way that he thought he should have been dealt with. Um, But to me, there was always this interesting factor of, of Jason Todd being a character who both grows while still remaining very consistent in the core of who he is. Um, He's a character who over the years, there have been a lot of great uses of him in various stories. Um, Zero of them being in his, being in his own run. Usually Um, those are pretty bad often, but um, a lot of the times um, I think of, uh, I'm in Batman eternal and Batman and Robin eternal. Um, Some of the great stories where he interacts with the bat family and he's, in addition to addressing what they're trying to address and resolving the conflict they're a part of, it's also a story about how he's trying to find his spot in in the Bat family, um, trying to figure out how he should relate to not only Bruce, but the other Robins, um, um, to Barbara, um, to all the other vigilantes within um, their family, to figure out where he really stands in all of that. Um and I've always been fascinated by characters who, who have that constant journey as, as part of who they are. Um, and Jason Todd is very much a character who is struggling with his past, is struggling with the trauma and, and the demons that he's had to confront. Um, uh, but he's also a character who it's always interesting to see what he does. Um, and I think a lot of the times that's kind of rare um, in comics is to have a character where he shows up in a story and you don't already immediately have a feel of what he's going to do um, or how he's going to relate to other characters um, or things like that. You have a feel for who he is. You have a feel for what he's about, but how he's going to find his purpose and figure out what he needs out of a conflict or out of an interaction with somebody else um, is really, really great. Uh, One of my favorite um, small stories to come out of the new 52 um, was a very, I think it only ha- lasted a couple issues, but there was a story focusing on Jason Todd teaming up with Supergirl um, in Metropolis. Um, and that was a terrific story because, again, it's two characters who very much are trying to find their um, their way under, um, under the shadow of uh, of the people who who um, are in their lives, who are, are better known than them, who uh, they have complicated um, relationships with, um, and that uh, and that story within um, those comics was just terrific, both uh, for Supergirl um, and for Jason Todd as well. But um, yeah, I will read or watch literally anything <laughs> with your boy Jason Todd in it. Um, I, I watched season two of the live action Titan show and that was awful all because, all because Jason Todd was in it. Um, (laughs) so if that's not proof that he he's up there for me, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. 
I, I was actually going to ask you because I didn't know. Did you read all of the Scott Lobdell books? Oh yeah. That's Al, that's almost a hundred actually that no, that's a hundred issues of Scott Lobdell writing one of your favorite characters of all time. Yeah, you don't have to remind me. I are are, are you okay? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, okay, I, I didn't think so. But it's gonna be okay because, you know, it, it, and for anyone who doesn't know, Joshua Williamson is about to do a Red Hood book starting next month in May. Yeah. Um, and it's really, the premise is really interesting too. And and Joshua Williamson is, I mean, he's one of those that like he he's almost one of those that that if that I, I would trust him with just about anything. I I have yet to read a book by by him that I was disappointed in honestly. Yeah, um, you know yeah. what's actually real quick change subject, but like within what I was talking about. You know what's really depressing about Death of the Family, though, mm. is that DC did that when, and that's Alan Grant, right? Is that who that is? Um, uh, ex- excuse me, fact-checking boy? Could we perhaps get a... Uh... Fact-checking boy. Okay, well, anyway, whoever, whoever was doing it at the time. That's um, actually by Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin, that's who it is. That's, Jim well, Starlin broke okay, that? But here's the thing. That run with Jim Starlin and Aparo, Starlin and Aparo are doing Oh, yeah. That. And that run is fantastic. Yeah, because that, that's throw, your three. They throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, everything that's happening in that run is great. That's the one where, like, you know, Batman throws the carburetor at the guy and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, so, like, and and all that, the, the entire point of that run is Batman trying to figure out how am I going to reel this guy in. And in my opinion, they just cheat it by killing him off. Mm. Okay. And they also cheat it. They also cheat it too, because they even screw up a really good Joker run at that point, or like what he's doing in that comic. Cause I don't know if you remember, but in that, in that comic, this is a Canon NDC yeah. Canon comic. <laughs> this is Joker's one of my favorite like, trivia facts. Joker's like the Sultan <laughs> of, of, of is it a rock or a Ron? He's, he's not the Sultan. He is a royal ambassador of the Iranian Empire. Okay, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, like, so, I mean, we're talking, like, I mean, next, I mean, next level. Like, I mean, Jim Starlin is living his best life. He's got that past the censors, you know, and the writing's on point, and, of course, the paro, so the art's on point, and then all of a sudden, somebody, I think it's, I think it's Marv Wolfman who comes up with the idea to do the, you know, we're just going to kill the dude off. Is it really? I think it is. And like, and, and you know, because they were wanting to, I mean, in, in, in fairness, they got the response they wanted, but it's, yeah. man, it, it, inter- it interrupts a really good bunch of comics, mm-hmm. you know? So I just had to gripe about that. Every time someone brings it up, I gripe about that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a great, there's a great bunch of comics that are happening before that. And then. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Also, um, I can't talk about Jason Todd without I'm talking about um, one of my favorite appearances of his and one of the appearances that presumably is going to happen that I'm the most hyped for. Um, um, One is, um, well, I'll give everybody a five count real quick. Um, um, Spoilers for a video game that came out a couple years ago. Um, But um, (laughs) Jason Todd's appearance in the Arkham Knight um is terrific um also if we can let's talk about that real quick was there anyone alive who knew batman lore who did not think that the arkham knight was going to be jason todd is that real 
what's what's interesting is like there was a point where I was like, yeah, it's a new character. Then I started playing the game, and then like everything he says before the reveal, like every time you see the Ark of Nine, I'm like, that's Jason Todd. Like, there's yeah. no way around it. It is Absolutely. Jason Todd. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, but um, yeah, and um, actually. I realize I'm, I'm not going to talk about the other thing specifically because it would also be a spoiler, but um, we may be seeing a new telling of Under the Red Hood here soon. Um, so check so check to make sure you're keeping up with your various uh, uh, projects with DC because we may be getting that soon in some kind of way. I did four. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! All right, Fan- fantastic pick. Yeah, I, lo- I, yeah, Jason Todd, Red Hood, fantastic. Um, Jenny, your number two is Black Widow. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel dumb now? I do. I do. Okay. You know, thank you. I do. Yes. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Um, yeah, Black Widow. Uh, I mean, why? <laughs> He's flawless. Um, in the comics and uh, on the big screen Um, obviously I didn't know much about her until the movies Um, I feel like her she's a bit darker Uh, so like when I was younger like we didn't really I didn't get into her Um, what else Uh, I was going to say something I lost my train of thought completely crap darn Black Widow she was kind of dark yeah well, anyway, I love her a lot. Okay. Um, I don't know if her movie's ever going to come out. It's really sad. You just, you just, uh, are, are you still just assuming that the July 9th thing, which, okay, July 9th, as of April 10th, 2021, yeah. is the current date that it's coming out. I feel like out. we have past podcasts where we talk about, okay, about, it's coming oh, out. Yeah, it's coming yeah. out soon. You know, that, that's probably true, you know. Um, but, yeah, she should have had her own movie, like, long before... Before who? Before who, Jenny? Before who, Jenny? Several people. Several people? Okay, gotcha. Okay. Is there one in, in particular that you want to mention? I just, uh, no, just, a lot just, of just people should not have been in front of her. So okay, gotcha. Okay, um, that's, that's, all, that's all right. But yeah, she, she's going to have her moment, I hope, eventually. Mm-hmm. So Definitely looks like her in the uh, Loki trailer. Yeah, I saw that. You know, it kind of does. God, there's so many theories right now about. You know, it's kind of interesting that they move that they made sure to move her movie after the Loki series. Hmm. Well, yeah, because Loki was supposed to come out last year. Yeah. Oh. 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 Shenanigans. Shenanigans indeed. A lot of shenanigans. Hey. Hey, everybody listening at home. What was your favorite episode of Phantom Talk? <laughs> and all of us went, oh, for a really long time. <laughs> uh, I it is kind of weird, isn't it? There yeah. is a lot of, yeah. There's some crazy Loki theories already, though. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Loki would probably, if we had done this after Loki series, I'm sure he would move up again. I bet he would. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's still weird that he's at seven to me, but uh, but 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 I get it. I get. Well, it. now that you're, you've seen the rest of my list, and I'm sure you already know who number one is. Then yeah. You know. It makes a bit more sense yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. It was hard to make the list. I, I understand. I get it. I get it. Uh, Black Widow's a fantastic number two. Um, <laughs> what a weirdo. I, I, I'm a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Gosh. So you're number two. So um, here's here's how powerful Wonder Woman is. Our our mother, who was a you know a you know Bible toting, you know go to church every Sunday. Got into the Brian Azzarello run, hardcore. And Brian <laughs> Azzarello run at one point, okay, has a moment where you go and you visit Hades in his office. And Hades is creepy enough as it is because a little boy with a bunch of little melting candles on his head, and mm-hmm. it's just horrifying for some reason. But behind Hades, as he's sitting at his Hades desk, is Kronos who has had his belly scooped out and is, is continually being fed, but he cannot be, be full. full. And that's his throne. Yeah. And that, that's his throne. And like, and Bond was like, I cannot wait to read the next issue of this. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's because Wonder Woman carries this, this, this comic just by being Wonder Woman. And one of the things that I don't think we've talked about with Wonder Woman enough is the fact that her character is probably of definitely of the big of the of the Trinity, and maybe of all comic books. Period is the most self-actualized character in comics, because she works simply just by being who she is. Uh, the uh, Jeff Johns Justice League run uh, after uh, Luther joins has one of my favorite moments, where like there you, you see this kind of like uh, montage of the Justice League doing things. And at front and center of every one of them is Wonder Woman. Just, you know, being Wonder Woman. And, and at one point, like, Shazam even looks at Luther and is like, everyone loves Wonder Woman, you know? And Luther's like, yeah, everyone does love Wonder Woman. I wonder what it is, you know? And he, he goes up to ask Wonder Woman, like, why everyone loves her. And she's like, because I love everybody. And there's even a great point in the Azarello run where Hades puts Hades has decided he's going to marry Wonder Woman uh, because of shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. It's, it's, it's difficult to get into it because that <laughs> comic is just goes so many different places, but Hades decides he's going to marry Wonder Woman. So he gets the hit. The way he's going to do it is he's going to use the lasso of truth and use it to drag Wonder Woman to the altar and use it to get her to say, uh, and, and basically, you know, uh, drag her to the altar. But when he gets there, he's like, you know, hold on. I don't know if I want to do this or not. And he, he used the last of truth and was, and asked Wonder Woman, do you love me? And Wonder Woman says, yes. You know, even though Hades is horrible in this, you know, like he's causing uprisings and like, I think he's, he's holding, uh, he's Zola. holding, uh, uh, Zola's child. At the yeah. Time. He's yeah. holding Zola's child who is, which is, supposed to be the next incarnation of Zeus, uh, but it's just a baby at this point. And, like, he's, you know, he's doing all this horrible stuff, you know, and, like, you know, Wonder Woman eventually breaks out, and Hades like, I don't understand, you know, the lasso said that you love me, and Wonder Woman's basically like, yeah, I do love you, but that's the honest truth about it, is I love everybody, and that's why she does what she does. She truly loves everybody. And, uh, you know, that more than anything is what makes her such a strong character. And I think, you know, I, I have gripes about the Wonder Woman movies, both of them, uh, particularly how both of them apparently Wonder Woman needs a man to inspire her to do things. But one thing they've gotten correct 
very correct is that Wonder Woman is inspired by her love of people, uh, by her love of humanity. Uh, they, they, they do get that correct. And all good Wonder Woman stories start from that point. Um, and so, yeah, that's why she's such a fantastic character. Uh, obviously, fantastic choice, you know, of course. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. and yeah, Reed Azarello's run on Wonder Woman. Oh, oh yep, there we go. Yeah, there we go. There you go. Yep. Okay. Reed Azarello's run or the George Perez run, one of those two. Mm-hmm. All right, my number two. So as I, one and two, of course, are so difficult for me because it's who's number one, who's number two, because I love them both so much. Um, and really, it's, just, it's my favorite DC, my favorite Marvel. Um, one just inches just a little bit more to the top, just, just a little bit. So uh, number two is Captain America. And... Uh, I mean, what what can what what else can really be said about Captain America? Um, you know, talking about uh, he's another character who he does he didn't really need the catalyst. He just wanted to help. Um, even to even to the point of and, and the movie brings this out great. There's a lot of his different origin books that bring it out really well. That he's willing to to lie on his uh, registration forms to go overseas. Like he he wants to fight and help and help out so badly that even though he is just, I mean, going to be blown over by a strong gust of wind, he's, he's whittle. He, he is whittle. He is what very is whittle. He he's whittle. He, he is whittle. He is whittle. Whittle. Um, <laughs> even though the, even though that he is whittle, um, baby. he's, he's willing to go over there and fight just because he wants to help people. Um, and I think that's the, that's truly what makes him one of the better characters. And I think, I think the first movie, the first movie does get some crap because it's not, it's not as good as Winter Soldier. It's not as good as Civil War. I get it. Okay. But the first movie does a really good job with two moments that clarify that it's not the super soldier serum that makes Steve Captain America. It's Steve makes him Captain America because the first scene happens when, uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character throws the, throws the, uh, the dud grenade and everyone else runs, and he's the only one who jumps on it. I don't know if I remember that scene. Don't remember that scene? No. Do you, do no? you remember that scene? You don't remember that scene? Okay. No, yeah. crazy. Um, you know, and he's that's that scene is just so perfect because he's he's the one who just jumps on it immediately, and he's just screaming, "Just get back!" You know, he's trying he's trying to make sure that everyone is as far away as they can I be. It was John Walker. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Okay. Ooh. We're getting into discussions. <laughs> What if it was John Walker? Who he, who he knows? Mentions that he does that too, mm. and Bucky's like, "No, you don't." Mm. Anyway, yeah, yeah, no, 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 you're right. Well, what, what does Bucky sound like? Just yeah. no, no, you don't. No, you don't. But then, but that scene, and then also one of my favorite moments. And they once again, they really do this really well with the with the dichotomy between the two characters. When Red Skull first captures him, and you can't see, but there's some air quotes there, um, and he says, "What makes you so special?" and he just goes, "Nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn." And that's that's the thing is that to Captain America, he is not he's not this great hero. There's never really a point where Captain America sees himself as this great savior of the people because to him he isn't, and because he believes that ev- that what truly should happen is that everyone should be able to come up together and support each other. 
that's that's his mentality in First Avenger. That's his mentality in the Avengers itself. Pretty much throughout the rest of the series is he wants to bring people together. It's not so much about him being the leader or him being the one that inspires people to do that. It's that he wants them to do it themselves. And even to even to the current point, when he is handing Sam the shield, it's not because he just wants to be done with it. It's not because, whether he's old or not, it's not because he has given up. It's because he knows that Sam is good enough to, t- to carry on the legacy. And because he knows that there are other people that can do this. And and honestly, that's the best part about Falcon Winter Soldier so far is the question of can other people follow in Steve Rogers' footsteps? And it's difficult. And we haven't and we've only watched the first three episodes right now, so we haven't seen the newest one that everyone is apparently just lauding over. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just that's just it's that's just who Steve Rogers is. He just he. He's just the best, and he doesn't really even know it half the time. So, yeah, that's why he's at my number two. So, all right. Oh, goodness. Goodness me, we're at the number ones, guys. And and now, having seen the list, I know who everyone's is. So, honestly, I cannot wait to hear what everyone says about the different ones. Um, but to everyone listening, these are all brand new to you. So, Al. Who's your number one? I feel like if anybody has listened to us before, they probably know who my number one is. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You're, you're the only one that was lost for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so my number one, um, to everyone's shock and surprise, or at least to Jacob's <laughs> shock and surprise, <laughs> um, is Spider Man. What? <laughs> no way. What a what an upset. What a dark horse. <laughs> you mean it's not parasite? It's um, crazy. Um, but um Spider-Man, I mean, Spider-Man has been my f- favorite um character since I was a kid. Um He's gonna be my my favorite character for the foreseeable future. Um, when I'm an old, um, decrepit man lying on my deathbed, and I have forgotten the faces of my children, I'll still I'll still remember the <laughs> stories and adventures I've shared with Spider Man. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, that got kind of sad for a second. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it got very somber. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, um, as I s- said before, Spider-Man was one of my introductions um, to comics uh, when my dad gave me my first ever um, comic books. Um, there were uh, three issues of Spider-Man in there. They were out of order. They were not consecutive, so I was just kind of reading random stuff. Um, but I read those um, comics uh, probably a, a hundred times. Um, and um, he was so... He was so special to me and I was so instantly invested in Spider-Man and who he was and what he did that um, there's a story um, um, I like to tell about um, um, about my mom and me where uh, my mom has always been um, I'm a very 
upright, very pious, very spiritual individual. Uh, um, religion was always very um, important in our household. And she was getting me ready for church. And I had just done something bad um, earlier that week. I had like lied or, um, or, or thrown a tantrum or something like that. Um, I was really young. I was like six or seven years old. And my mom was trying to impress upon me how important it is that, you know, our behaviors are, are good and that we do the right thing and that we think about other people and stuff. And her go-to was always, you know, you're supposed to, um, do what Jesus would do. Um, and, um, my young brain just couldn't really wrap my head around, you know, how to apply that concept because I had all these, all these questions. I was everybody's least favorite kids at Sunday school. Cause I had all these questions of just like, well, you know, he, you know, this guy, Jesus, he lived so long ago. Like how would, how would he react to when a, a kid steals your game boy on the playground or how would he do like this very new and, and modern kind of situation that don't make any sense? And my mom was just like, she was very fed up and she was just like, okay, then Al, who, who is somebody who, you know, who, who always does the right thing and, and bless her heart. I think she, I think she was expecting me to say like, well, you always do the right thing, mama. Um, <laughs> however, I said, Spider-Man, I was just like, oh, Spider-Man always does the right thing. <laughs> Well, it's easy. Yeah. Spider Man always does the right thing. Um, and so my mom just kind of exasperated, just sighed and was just like, fine. Whenever you don't know what to do, just do whatever Spider Man would do. Okay. It's whatever Jesus would do, but just for easier for you, just do what Spider Man would do. And I was just like, oh, mom, I can do that. <laughs> Absolutely. I can, I can do that for sure. Um, and you know, it's, it's a cute story and it's fun to talk about and joke about and stuff. My mom has brought it up before. Um, but, um, it's kind of, it's kind of real how, how much that has really been, um, um, a guide to me. Um, this idea that when you don't know what to do, just think about what Spider-Man would do and do that. Um, because he's just a character who has always been upright, who has always put others before himself, um, who strives to do the right thing and to care about people as much as he possibly can. Um, and um, I was somebody who has seen a lot of bad stuff and has seen some of the worst that um, humanity has to offer um, a lot of times just with... Um, the places I've been and the jobs I've held and, and people I've met sometimes. Um, it wasn't always very clear um, using other kinds of guides or codes of ethics or moralities um, on what to do or what to think or what to believe about a person. But um, the one that always really brought me home and really always um, helped me out was um, I'd go back to that conversation and just be like, well, I guess – I'll just do a <laughs> what Spider-Man would do, um, and I'll do that. Um, I mentioned earlier when I talked about Green Lantern that uh, that wouldn't be the first time I kind of cheated with that entry, and I'm going to do the same thing here because 
as much as I love um, the character of Peter Parker, um, you know, a character who's been with me for majority of my life, um, I think the character of Spider-Man has grown over the years to where um, the character as, as lived out by Peter Parker and as lived out uh, by Miles Morales um, have become, uh, you know, very much their own characters. But as far as Spider-Man goes and is defined, the two are almost ins- inseparable from each other. Um, and in knowing what I know and how important Spider-Man always was to me, how relatable the character always was to me. Um, it makes me very happy that uh, Miles has become such a hugely popular and approachable character um, in comics and in the mainstream um, because he does things for people that uh, the Peter Parker can't. And I'm glad that there are our kids out there. There are our black and Hispanic kids who who get the kind of interactions um, that I had with my mom um, I'm about their own Spider-Man and someone that they can see themselves in and relate to as well. Um, if there is, if there's one thing that I would encourage um, people to, to look into with Spider-Man, uh, if you're interested in reading more about the character and experiencing more about the character, um, there are, a couple of quintessential things I think about when um, I think about this character. Um, one is just honestly, the majority of um, the ultimate um, Spider-Man run. Uh, um, I have um, young brother-in-laws now who are getting into comic books. Um, the first things I gave them were volume one and volume two, uh, the trade paperbacks of ultimate Spider-Man. Um, great place to start, great treatment of, um, Peter Parker and eventually Miles Morales as well. Um, and then, um, to this day, still my favorite thing that Spider-Man has ever done in, in a film is from the amazing Spider-Man two, where, um, he shows up while a, a kid is walking home from school with a science project and a bunch of older kids show up and start picking on him and screwing up his project and stuff like that. And Spider-Man just shows up and scares them away and fixes his project uh, with his webbing and, and walks home with him. And it's, um, I've said this before, it's the most human scene I've ever watched in all of the wealth of superhero films we've gotten. Um, so even though there are a lot of people who hate Amazing Spider-Man 2, but it's always one of the main things I recommend for people uh, and who want more Spider-Man. So, so yeah. Can I, uh, can I say one thing real quick? I hope nothing more. And like, and now that's a great pick, but I hope nothing more that the only comment we get on this is what about Ben Riley? <laughs> <laughs> I want that more than anything. I'll do yeah, I'm actually upset that you made the Ben Riley joke before I did. I mean, that's I, 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 more than anything, because like the entire time you're like, you know, Peter Parker, Miles Morales, and I'm just like, so, I really hope somebody is like, <laughs> man, Ben Riley was my Spider-Man, <laughs> 94 to 96, man, he was my Spider-Man. Well, uh, 
I'll do you one better. I hope there's a person out there who listens to this and goes to all of our socials and is just like, oh, so you are going to talk about Kane? Is that it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's how I know we've made it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> also, that second graphic novel of Ultimate Spider-Man is probably one of my favorite spider That's the Kingpin one, right? Yeah. I love that one so much. That's a good one. That's one of my, that's one of my favorite moments when he just like, he's like, there's a lot I wanted to say to you. You know, you're so fat. And they just do these like, Fat jokes for like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just so awesome. It's like three straight pages of fat jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so great. Yeah, no, I mean, Spider-Man, fantastic choice, obviously. And I, once I started looking at your list again, I was like, wait, there's one missing. Um, I do have to say that I'm glad, I'm really glad that when your mother asked you, um, you know, well, who's a character you can relate to? that it was Spider-Man and like your dad didn't have like a bunch of like Punisher comics in that box yeah. <laughs> because I was because like there's there's an alternate reality where like a boy stole your Game Boy on the playground your mother was like well what are we going to do about the situation who do you relate to and you go Frank Castle and then like he's like okay do whatever Frank Castle would do and you're just like all right somebody's going down <laughs> like <laughs> I'm I'm really glad that I'm really glad that it was Spider Man is the one that, that you clung to. Providential. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> I said yeah, yeah. It was very it's a providential choice that yes. you yes. happen to have have those in there. Oh goodness. All right. Jenny. So you're number one. My number one is Wonder Woman. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Um, she's always been my number one, though. I was sitting here thinking about it. You know, Al talked a lot about representation, and uh, Wonder Woman was the first wonder or the first superhero, um, woman superhero that I ever like interacted with. Um, um, Mom uh, always talked about Wonder Woman growing up, even before she got to the comics because of uh, the um, show uh, that Linda Carter starred in. Yeah. So um, I just like that was. You know, my first, like, um, introduction to um, a female that, like, could do basically, like, you know, I had my Barbie, but, like, Wonder Woman was very, very different than Barbie, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, she, you know, there was nothing she couldn't do, you know, and um, it was just really cool seeing that as a little girl, and, like, uh, I mean, obviously, like, the thing is, with those, with Wonder Woman and my mother both being the two main women in my life, and then also my grandmother, like, God, I was just, you know, I became a very uh, stubborn and determined lady. Uh, there was just, there's, not, and, and still to this day, like, there's not really anything I don't think I can't do. Um, and I have them to credit for that. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, Wonder Woman's definitely number one for me. So Definitely, definitely a solid choice. What would you say is your favorite representation of Wonder Woman? Um, that's rough. Because, like, I agree with Josh where, like, the movies are good, but, like, you know, it is, it's annoying how, you know, into dudes she is. So <laughs> It is annoying how into um, a singular dude that she is. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not dudes, but, yeah. um, but, I mean, I guess, I guess. I don't mind that she's into the dude. I just mind it's like. On in both movies, you know, even the one where he's dead, he has to be the one to tell her like, "You got to do the right yeah, thing here." Yeah, and I'm like, that just should no, not happen. I agree. Um, but I guess the first Wonder Woman um, was Gal Gadot. 
Uh, I really, I, I think that's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. Without thinking about it too deep, that's probably my favorite representation. Yeah, you know, I just think of that like uh, scene of her like walking across the war field. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. like so epic. That's the yeah. Um, if if you watch that and you don't immediately feel some kind of connection to Wonder Woman as a character, I, I don't I don't know what to do for you. You you just don't like the character or really comics in general. Like I mean, just yeah, because she just because uh, they're like no man can walk across that field, and she just picks up her shield and is like, all right, yeah, let's go. She's not a man. She's not a man. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard not to just love. That scene, you know, if, if and, and the entire movie, but well, and that's why I mean, it's not even it's almost not even believable when she's like, I don't know what to do because, like, without the dude, you know, she just never questions herself. Like, dude, at all. Real, real, real quick, no, 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 hang on, what is the dude's name? Nope. Okay, okay, all right, no, 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 from now on, he's the dude. He's the dude. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you know, she never questions herself, really. Not, I That's mean, true. No, no. So, like, yeah. you know, until, like, you know, it's like they have to make her do that in order for the dude to have, I guess, validation. You know, mm. like, I guess the patriarchy just really needed a guy <laughs> to be, you know, somewhat Sweet. of an importance in a movie. I don't yeah, know, no, like, so. no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, anyway, but yeah, love one woman. I, uh, but she's yeah. literally always been number one my entire life, so that wasn't gonna change. Like when you told me to do this, like that was this. Yeah. It was one, and who's the next nine? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. It, it, it. I will say this: part of my issues might just be that I just don't like Steve Trevor as a character, uh, just in general. And like I've always thought, Wonder Woman should be a Batman or Superman, one of the two. It just mm. doesn't matter. Or just matter. be by herself, man. Yeah. I'm just saying, like if yeah. you're Wonder Woman. It's if you Batman have to choose Superman. a dude, then it's yeah. one of those two. It's like it has mm-hmm. to be. Like I, you know, I don't know. Depending on I guess who's writing them, right? Because if it has to go by the movies right now, in my opinion, <laughs> just stay single, girl. Yeah, <laughs> like, girl, you can do so much better. <laughs> or go to the Marvel uh, universe and pick out a dude yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I ain't gonna argue with you on that one. Yeah. Just, one one was like the <laughs> this is not a deep enough well. I've got to go to a different universe. Yeah. Her like, and Loki would make a cute couple. Her and Loki would make a cute couple. Yes, yes. The the truth and the lies mixed together. You know, yeah, just you know? yeah. It's, it's yeah. I'm exactly. gonna make some weird fan fiction later. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness, I I, I love all everything anyway, about that. Yeah. Everything that just happened was great. Mm, that really um, got away from me. I'm sorry. Well, speaking of getting away, uh, I don't think it did at all. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of getting away, um, we're at an hour and forty minutes right now. We're all going to be at around three hours here in just a little bit. Uh, Josh, you're number one. (laughs) (laughs) We might have to make this in a two. Yeah, we'll probably probably do a two part. I'm just, I mean, I'm ready. You know. Listen, I mean. I think y'all know who my number one is, okay? Like, who, it, it, it's, it's who a character is it? Who that, like, is it? Has he gets comics, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for years, like, the most critically acclaimed character of comics. My favorite character, Rorschach from Watchmen. There it is. <laughs> and we all unsubscribe. I unsubscribe from my own, uh, from my own page. Like, no, man. I will step down to the EIC if that's true. You know, I, uh, no, no, the heck I'm with you, Josh. I'm with you. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> that, you know. uh, no, man, uh, uh, un, un, unpopular opinion. If Rorschach from Watchmen is one of your favorite characters, you 
fundamentally misunderstand the character. Uh, my favorite character of all time is, without a doubt, Batman. Okay, it's it's and, hey, and, hey. Uh, you know, the you know you were talking about the character, your first comic character you remember. Everybody's basically saying who the first comic character they remember. First comic character I ever ran into was Batman. Uh, 1989, one of my earliest memories is my mother taking me into Spencer's gift shop to buy a Batman medallion because the Batman movie had just come out and that yellow and black symbol was everywhere. Uh, and I still wish I had that medallion necklace. I still wish I had it. I don't know what happened to it. I feel like Jared Jared probably stole it at some point or something if he's listening. Our cousin. Yeah, our cousin yes. Jared probably stole it. Uh, but uh, that's one of the first things I remember is just, you know, and I, and I remember distinctly, I knew nothing about Batman and staring at this symbol and being like, what in the world is this? You know, it blew my four-year-old little mind, you know, and then I went to go see the movie and I was very confused by what Batman was. And uh, because Tim Burton uh, can't really do a coherent film about Batman. And so I was very confused on what was happening. And so then this is how good this character is. Uh, Jake, I know we've talked about it. My first Batman comic. Do you remember what it is? What I've told you it was. I really don't off the top of my head. It's Nightfall One. It's oh. my first Batman comic I ever owned. I got it from uh, Wendell's uh, Foodland here. They used to have a rack of comics, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. And I remember asking Mom, "Can I get a comic?" And she was like, "Well, pick one out." And the only character I knew was Batman. You know, you had. You know, all these, uh, you know, you had uh, X-Men was there, you had Superman. I mean, I knew who they were, but the one I wanted was Batman. I was like, mm. oh, sweet Batman. He's, and he's, like, floating down up front of that comic. Mm. And basically, you know, if you know that comic, that comic basically starts with Batman has a cold and Bane's going to kill everybody and Joker kills all the guards. <laughs> and it's just really sad. And, you know, that that's, that's that comic. Um, and so there's a central power to this character that somehow has carried on through my life because then the the next thing of course I get into is Batman the animated series and that's the first you know real probably the real representation of Batman that I can think of mm-hmm. is the animated series and uh, you know that that is in my still one of my five favorite TV shows ever um, it might be the most perfect representation of Batman if Scott Snyder didn't exist uh, but I would say Scott Snyder's uh, run is the most perfect representation of Batman. Who? Yeah, Scott Snyder. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not Zach Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's 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 how I, I'm not going to go long. I, I'm, mm. I'm going to finish right mm. here. Okay, okay, you ready? And I'm not even going to use a Scott Snyderism. Whoa. I'm going to use James Tinian. This is this is a run you can pick up right now. Your local comic book store. James Tinian is the one that is writing Batman right now. And, and uh, in Batman uh, 100. Through 105, Tinian introduces a new character called the Ghost Maker. And essentially, it's a character that Batman kept running into. It's a guy Batman keeps running into uh, during his times, like, you know, working with Dugard and, you know, basically when he's going around training early in his teenage and early 20s, uh, you know, life, uh, training to be Batman. He keeps running into this guy. And this character has named himself the Ghost Maker. And basically what he is, is he's a version of Batman um, who uses all of the lethal tactics that Batman hates. Um, but he does all the same stuff. He'll go to different cities and, uh, you know, and he'll wipe out all the crime over there. And he just basically bounces around from city to city. And Batman and him had made a pact that, that 
he wouldn't come in Gotham, and Batman would never go to a place where the Ghostmaker was at. And so they have this back and forth, and of course there's a big fight because people, any anyone that's riding Batman loves to make Batman fight because he just looks cool. And uh, so they have a fight and everything, and Ghostmaker is talking to Batman. He's like, you know, well, since I've been in Gotham, here's the things I've done. And he goes, I've wiped out this drug trade, and oh yeah, these guys, they said they were shipping uh, parts for uh, uh uh, for cars and they were shipping guns and I wiped them out and I picked up this serial killer and I said, you know, you just list off these things. Okay. And so you're like, Oh man, Batman has let Gotham get away from him. Oh no. And so finally, you know, like he's Batman, you know, finally gets the upper hand of the fight and he finally tells him and he's like, I've been tracking that shipment uh, for six months and now we never know where that stuff was going and we don't know who the buyer was. He's like, that serial killer, the reason I haven't taken him in yet is because there's still eight people that are missing that I'm pretty sure he, you know, has done, and now we'll never know where they're at. And he just goes on this tangent and says, you know, like, and basically is like, I don't know why you would come into Gotham. This is my city. I know it better than anyone. And one of the things you find out is that every every place Ghostmaker goes to, even though he wipes out all the crime, he's not making a dent in it because he wipes all out, he leaves the city. And then he always has to go back a couple of years later because crime has risen again in that city. And you come to find out, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting way of looking at Batman's way of working against crime and Ghostmaker's way of working against crime. Batman is always going to want to think one step ahead of crime. It's part of the reason why he doesn't kill people, you know, because when you kill people, four more can rise up, you know, and that's what Ghostmaker represents. But for Batman, he's always one step ahead of the game. That's what he's attempting to do. That's his entire purpose. And that's what makes the character so cool, is that, you know, he's one step ahead of the game, even though, yeah, he's rich, but other than that, that's his only advantage. And, yeah, I realize that's a good advantage, but it's not an advantage in a world where, you know, a ring that can do anything your imagination wants can is an advantage, or... You know, if you're a Kryptonian and are basically indestructible or an Amazon has basically been, you know, a warrior for a thousand years, you know, those are pretty amazing advantages. But Batman's advantage is I'm going to stay ahead and I have the ability to stay ahead of the game. And, you know, one, and, I'll, and I'll end with a quote from Jeff Johns. If you ever want to know what Batman means to the Justice League or means to superheroes at large, because there's always these, always like these memes, like, well, you know, Batman's just human. They just let him on there. My favorite quote is like, in Justice League, um, the first run, it's kind of a running joke because Green Lantern will be like, well, wait, Bat, you can't do anything. And Flash comes along and is like, you know, what can you do, Batman? And Batman just looks at him and says, I can keep us on track. And that's what Batman brings to the, uh, brings to the table. You know, he's always the guy who can keep you on track and he knows what matters and he knows how to bring, you know, the whatever's oppressing the world or whatever's oppressing his city. He knows how to bring it down because he's always thinking Batman thinks of everything. And uh, that's that's his superpower, you know, and uh, and then now I'd like to spend two hours talking about how uh, that that is exactly what is missing from the Snyderverse. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about that enough in our Snyderverse forecast. So, can I have the next two hours to talk about where that's missing? Let's just let's just wrap it up. Okay, you know, all right. Let's fine. just yeah. And anything else besides that that you do want to say about Batman? <laughs> just 
that you love him? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I love Batman, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, and read, read Scott Snyder's comics. And so, uh, uh, per, particularly, by the way, oh no, one more thing. Oh, here we go. If you have the opinion somehow that Batman is just a rich billionaire beating up people, beating up poor people, just read the Scott Snyder comics. Okay, just just read those, you know. And I mean, that's because the Scott Snyder comics are basically the the whole point of the New Fifty Two Scott Snyder run is to work against that ide- ideology. Uh, so yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Man. <clears throat> My number one. Obviously, pretty much everyone's going to going to already know who it's going to be. Um, Roy Harper. It's not Roy Harper, oddly enough. It's crazy. Um, but no, my number one is Superman. Um Um, when it comes to when it comes to characters that want to do the right that that want to do the right thing that that make the choice to do the right thing my favorite aspect of superman is that it's hardly ever a choice for him there's never really a point in most of the good origin stories of him where he has to struggle with this idea of do I want to do this? And the and <laughs> give me a look. And the in the more so canon versions of Superman, he automatically wants to help people. Even and for the record, even Smallville gets this right. But you know, that's that's a whole other thing. Um I love Smallville too. You know, that we might be talking about Smallville later on in the year. Who knows? It's crazy. Um Al, do you love Smallville? I like what I've seen of Smallville. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and for the record, Smallville does have some issues, but that's but they still have that core of Superman wants to help people. Superman is someone who, yes, there are points where he wants to he wants to have peace and he wants to he wants to not be needed. Yeah, that's I mean, I'm pretty sure Spider Man wants to not be needed as well. You know, Batman wants to not be needed. All these characters would love it if if they didn't have to, if, they, if there wasn't a, some sort of evil out in the world that they had to stop. But the thing is that they all understand that there is, and they are going to have to, to help them, to help the world. Whether it's to be an inspirational figure, whether it's to be a leader, or just to be the definitive superhero. And that's, and that's what Superman is. Um... One of my favorite comics of all time, and, and with recent things coming out, it's kind of it's actually kind of hard to talk about. But but I mean, as a as of right now, you know, it's still as of right now, it's still it's still okay to talk about. And as of right now, it's still probably my favorite comic book or my favorite Superman story is Superman Secret Origin by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Um, and my favorite part about that story is that they do a really good job of going going into the this idea of Superman. Versus Lex Luthor, who who is who, and who is and what does each one represent? And there's a part where where Superman is when he first gets to Metropolis, um, that he bumps into the he bumps into this uh, this older lady, and because uh, he's looking up, and she gets really rude with him, and she and she's like, oh, you've just got your head in the clouds, you know, and I can't remember exactly what she says, but she's she gets really like in his face, and Gary Franklin like, makes it kind of kind of intense from the way he draws it. Um, 
but uh, but Superman is just kind of. I mean, it's uh, Clark is just you know he's he's from Kansas. He's just you know he's not used to the big city living at this point. And he goes and he sees that there's this big crowd outside of Luther outside of uh, Luther Corp. And uh, Lex Luther is literally standing on a balcony, um, addressing the citizens of Gotham. Almost, not almost. In a Julius Caesar style, uh, you know, kind of kind of thing, and he's going to, and every once in a while, he's going to pick one. Did I say the citizens of Gotham? I'm you not sure did. My my, my bad. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, oh, a very strange jump in continuity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, excuse me, the citizens of Metropolis. Uh, you know, after I hear a ten minute dissertation to Batman, I start kind of getting focused or losing focus on that. In that case, um, but um, but Luther's addressing the citizens of Metropolis, and he's going to pick one Metropolis citizen, and he's going to like change their life somehow. Um, and this and that aspect has a whole different story, but it's more so the, this idea that the people are subservient to him, that they are they are trying so hard just to just to get a glimpse of him. Like they're standing at this gate, like there's hundreds of people there, and Clark sees it, and he just kind of he kind of brushes it off. He he realizes that's wrong. But he kind of brushes it off. He's on his way to the Daily Planet. Later, two things happen. After, after you know, there's a there's a story where Metallo and Parasite get loose, and Superman has to take care of it, and so on and so forth. I won't go into all that, but um, but the important part is at the end, where one Lex Luthor goes out onto his balcony, and there's no one there, no one standing there, because they don't they don't need this idea of someone making their life better. They don't need this idea of someone being a savior. Um, Superman even says that after he finishes, after he finishes uh, fighting Metallo, there he says, "You, I'm not, I'm not going to be your savior. The people of Metropolis are going to raise themselves up. They're going to be strong on their own because that's who they are." And Lex Luthor, like I said, he goes out and he sees, and there's no one there. No one serves Lex Luthor anymore. You know, at least, at least in that sense. And then they, they cut to this young kid coming into Metropolis for the first time. And he bumps into the same old woman that Clark bumps into because he's looking up in the sky. And the woman, st- and the woman stops, and you think she's going to do the same thing. But she stops and she says, don't worry. It's Metropolis. Everyone's looking up in the sky just to get a glimpse of him. Because the thing is, is that in the same way that Captain America thinks that he's nothing special, Superman also thinks he's nothing special. He understands that he has these abilities, but he doesn't want to be a savior. He wants to help people help themselves. That's what Superman is. He wants to be the inspiration, and that's what he can be. Um, he's not a godlike figure. He's not a, he's not a Christ analogy. Um, he is just someone who wants to use the abilities that he's been given to help people. And that's that's why he's he's my fa- he's my favorite hero is he's just everything good in the world is Superman, you know, and everything that I would want to be as a hero is because of Superman. Um, one of my last uh, birthdays before my mom passed away, I had a Superman birthday cake. She was she was adamant about it. Um, and I mean, that's that's one of my better memories, you know, with her. And that's. That's really what that character is, you know. Is he's just he's just good. 
and that's there's a lot of characters out there and there's a lot of people out in the world that they have this kind of complexity where it's you know, what do I want to do with my life with Superman it's always 100% just I want to be good and I want to and I want to help people and that's that's just why he is who he is um and and if you're looking further um for different uh for different readings into how superman affects the people around him and how he um how he is a much better hero than some representations i've given him credit for um superman for all seasons by jeff Loeb and tim sale is a comic that i cannot recommend enough um Particularly because the in the same way that a certain fan and correspondence writer has already said stated this, um, that comic is actually more about how other characters interact with Superman and how they react to who Superman is. Um, each different issue is uh, written from the from the different perspective of Ma and Pa Kent, Lana Lang, Lois Lane, and uh, Lex Luthor, and it's just it's a really really good story. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale have not threatened anyone's acting career. Um, so I think that that one's a much uh, much more uh, solid one solid one to recommend than maybe Superman's Secret Origin. As much as I love Superman's Secret Origin. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's our, man, our top tens, guys. We, we did it. Yeah. Comic Fest. Woo. Um, yeah. Woo. Yeah. Um, So okay, so any were there any bigger surprises in our top fours, or did everyone pretty much have? I would hope everybody picked my top four, at least everyone in this uh, little group. Uh, I thought three and four were going to be backwards. That was the only thing. I thought Magneto was going to be three, but 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 I get it. Um, I have so many snake eyes. Actually. You you do have a lot of snake eyes action figures. <laughs> yes. Um, um, I would say with Josh's list, it wasn't so much your top four. I had a pretty good handle on who your top four would be. Um, but for the rest of your list, I was surprised we didn't, uh, we weren't graced by the presence of one of, um, the hurdles. Well, well, I'll be honest. The main issue with that is I haven't read a whole lot of comic books from the turtles. I mean, mm. I've read a few, um, and I'm really, really trying to uh, uh, remedy that. But oh, another comic book. Oh, oh, the last Ronin is really good, which is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle book. Um, but uh, it, there's there's pro- there's a lot of problems there out. Also, like which one do you pick? Like your gut says Raphael, but you know maybe you like Leonardo or maybe Donatello. I mean, it's just the turtles are so great. And also, I didn't know I had the ability to cheat like you apparently did. So you know, <laughs> you know, Mister, my 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 picks for you know four through thirty six hundred and five are the Green Lanterns. You know, so well, well, you know, I I followed my mom's age old adage, and and I did what Spider Man would do. <laughs> Spider Man is always a proponent of working smarter rather than harder. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, yeah. True. that's true. That's true. That is true. That's true. So, but no, yeah, the, the turtles. Uh, I mean, the turtles. Would, if, if we were doing pop culture uh, concepts alone, yeah, the turtles would be up there. But just from a comic book standpoint, I really, I, I, I couldn't justify it just because I haven't. The top ten, I've read a lot of comics on, on all of them. 
Um, so uh, that's just where I was coming from. Uh, Jenny, Iron Man was kind of a weird mission for you. That was that was the only big surprise I had for you. Um, Iron Man. Yeah. It, it was weird that I didn't have them yeah. there. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. Jenny's rooting pretty hard against Iron Man in at least one. I mean, at least one, maybe two uh, Marvel movies. No, like, look, I, I do like Iron Man, but yeah, no, I mean, like, I, do I even have Captain America on the list? Oh, goodness. I didn't that, even, make, that, I didn't even that notice that. That is a weirder one. That is yeah. a weirder one, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, because... I had to make a lot of hard cuts. That's true. Yeah. And Captain America is the weirdest one that's on a James list to mm -hmm. me. Yeah. We've we've all got a really strong bench. I, I noticed that from the different characters that we that are going to be in like our eleven to twenty range. But I also tried to like my so I, all of my characters are basically number ones. But like I also tried to go by like how many comics I've read from each character. Mm -hmm. I haven't really read any of Captain America's. We definitely need to fix that. Yeah. Um, so in a, in a year from now, when we do this, after we give you. It might be uh, different. At the Ed Brubaker That's true. run and the yeah. Winter Soldier run, you're going to be like, well, guys, uh, Captain America is now my uh, favorite comic character of all time. <laughs> if I was just writing off of, like, visual representations such as, like, movies and TV shows, then, like, maybe I'd put them on there. But anyway. I gotcha. No, I mean, no, that, that, that makes sense. Um, Al, you actually had one. I didn't think Cyborg was going to be as high. Um that was that was definitely a surprise for me. Um, oh yeah, and that's yeah. that's one that's um, like I said, it was just very fueled by you know a combination of nostalgia and just the ability to kind of you know like I grew up and matured kind of alongside the character. You know, I've loved to see how he's grown and changed and kind of earned his his due uh, um, nowadays. But um, but yeah. It's, he's good stuff. He's good stuff. Uh, um, Jacob, I would say that yours was about as as solid as I could have guessed it would be. I feel like you didn't have a lot of s s surprises, but that's just because was Batman I mean, amongst the four of us, we've like have talked about our favorite comic book characters for thousands of hours. So that's true. Well, actually, I just realized. Yeah, and you and you and Jenny do not have Batman on on your list, actually. That's yeah, weird. That was a rough hey, cut. That was a rough cut. I mean, I, and you know, it's just it's just a weird thing. It really forces a list like this really forces you to confront just the worst, most most compromising parts of your character, because you know, I look at this list and I'm just like, oh well. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess I hate Batman. I guess I hate <laughs> Luke Cage. I guess I hate, you know, Venom and Doctor Octopus and Wally West and um, and 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 the Hulk and She Hulk and yeah, you, you hate um, all those characters. Street level characters. I guess I hate all of them because they weren't in my top ten. It's really crazy how I didn't have Luke Cage or Daredevil in mind because yeah. the Defenders are like. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's true. Oh, my gosh. If you had talked to high school Al and asked, hey, who who's going to be on your top ten list of characters, you know, ten years from now, and you told him that Iron Fist wasn't on it, he, I mean, he would he would have just not believed you. <laughs> he would just not believe you at all. 
I was amazed that Electra wasn't on Jenny's list. Yeah, that's crazy. Were you? I was. Is, I was is that right? Were you? Was she? Al, you're going to need to do some do some work with your girl about Electra here. She's, oh, yeah. She just doesn't like Electra. You're going to have to do something there. I mean, hey, fandom is for everyone, and some fandom and some fandoms just just aren't for everybody. So yeah, no, I know. I'm not going to turn this into like a Daredevil podcast, but holy moly, if I was just going off of what I've seen from the movies and what I've seen from the Daredevil show, what redeeming qualities does Electra have? She loves uh, she loves Matt, and she's the only person in Matt's life that isn't like, hey, I know there are ninjas attacking, but. <laughs> do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but then she's also like, the hey, let's only, make out while like they're trying to take over the city. The only like, person, like, the only person in his entire life that's not doing that is Electra. The only person. That's so Foggy's like, I'm sorry, I can't work with you anymore, even though there's like assassins out there trying to kill all the important people in the city. And Karen Page is like, look what you're doing to yourself, even though there's literal ninjas running around. And Electra's the only <laughs> one that's like, Maybe we should go fight the ninjas. I don't That's know. That's not true, though. She says, let's run away. Let's go. Let's go. Like, literally, there's a... After, the, after, after they fight they the ninjas, though. The ninjas, like, yeah. Okay, whatever. We'll just have to agree to disagree. You know, we need to stop this. We need to stop <laughs> right now. Also, once again, making another surprise appearance, uh, by Josh's uh, consideration, technically that means that uh, Daredevil and Punisher uh, should be together. Because Daredevil never never, sa- never says anything against yes, him. Yes, thank you. Okay. But, yeah. okay, Daredevil so, and Punisher yes. are, are, are Daredevil, uh, Punisher, and Electra. Yes, the three of those. They're okay. all drift compatible. Yes, they're all <laughs> drift compatible. They're all drift compatible. <laughs> Did you expect me to be like, wait, hold on, Punisher? <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that what you're expecting me to do? Not Jenny's girl Karen Page is the one that tells Punisher like, if you kill this one guy. You've gone too far. I realize okay. there's literally 37 mobsters strung up across the street. But if you kill this guy. Are you, you insinuating know, I like Karen Page? I'm insinuating that if you don't like Electra, you must like Karen Page. Because well, that's they're not against true. Each other. That is very. It's, they're polar opposites. I don't like either of them. But they're the. They're, they're the two, I they're can the, have my own opinion on They're them. the two halves of Daredevil. Okay. Well, I don't. You have, you have to pick <laughs> one of them. No, you don't. We need to stop this. We need to. Yeah. To okay. This. Yeah. This is. Well, that was just dumb. That was it's just so dumb. dumb. They're the two halves of Daredevil. They're you know literally... what? Daredevil is like Wonder Woman. He can be alone. He's a bad bitch like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> Daredevil <laughs> is a bad bitch. He don't yes. need no woman. He don't need no Wonder woman. Wonder Woman don't need no man. <laughs> Maybe they should go for each other. Mm. That'd be great. Okay. That would a... ship that pretty hard. I, yeah. I same. Dude, I mean, you just. <laughs> If you drop Diana just in the middle of of the hand, I mean, 80% of, of, of Daredevil's problems go away. They really <laughs> do. Yeah. yeah. So. Kind of like if you drop Electra in the middle of the hand, 80% of the problem. Well, that's okay. And then, like, a building falls on them. Yeah, I guess that's, like, that's cool. Mm. Okay. Yeah, the building falling on them is cool. And on that note, we are going to go ahead and end it. Um, <laughs> before we get into the discussion of the defenders. Turn. It did. Yeah, that, that those last like six minutes have just been. Whew. We've got to stop using these uh, these podcasts to get rid of the pent up emotions. <laughs> well, it's just weird because we've had this conversation like eight times, and you're not going to change my opinion on Electra. She's probably really cool in the comics. I don't know, but I've only seen her in uh, the I've TV only show seen her and the movie. Love Matt. That's yeah, all you've like, seen her sometimes do. Sometimes it's just okay. It's <laughs> all right. So. <clears throat> Um, 
honestly, those would be interesting podcasts in, in, in themselves of discussing the different characters and why we like them and why we don't. Um, so maybe next time we could do our least favorite characters and then to start a bunch of arguments, which honestly would be a lot of fun Ooh, if boy. you want to see that or if you want to see any other uh, podcast or any of the videos for us to do, anything you want to see a stream, please head over to Patreon. Um, go ahead and, dis- and dis- subscribe and you can get access into different votes on things that you want to, that you want to hear about things that you want to see or comment or um, comment and subscribe on our YouTube channel or on Instagram or anything else that, that we're, that we're on our social media. Um, and uh, yeah, we uh, still got some good stuff coming for you. We've got some great videos coming up uh, between me and Al, but both uh, doing some great videos. And I think, um, Maybe there should Jenny... be another challenge podcast coming probably pretty soon. Another challenge podcast yeah. coming soon? Okay. I'd, I'd love to hear that because the first one was fantastic. Even if you are not necessarily a fan of the challenge, um, still a lot of fun to listen but to. But you're a fan of what just happened between me and Jenny Bickering. Yeah. The challenge you're podcast. You're really going to love the challenge podcast. We agree on a lot of the challenge We do. We probably do. more than Electra. So. Probably, <laughs> probably more than Electra. You know, I, I don't know. She's just kind of the worst. I don't know, man. Come on, I'm going to get back on it. I'm just saying. <clears throat> You know. You're, you're just like saying. You're just saying. He's just saying. <laughs> He's just saying. Wrap, wrap it up, Jake. You wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you all so much once again, though, for listening. Uh, these, despite our bickering, this has been a whole lot of fun to record. And thank you all so much for your continued support of the fan of correspondence. Um, yeah, we uh, we just want to say, just have a good night. And uh, as always, remember that fandom is for everyone, even if you disagree. Phantom is still for everyone. So thank you all so much. Y'all have a good night. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Cowabunga.